0: Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the multifaceted athlete. It's just me today. So we're just going to have a little chit chat about some things I've been thinking about lately. Namely, there are three things I want to talk about long runs, group runs, and easy runs. So in the realm of long runs, what I've been thinking about lately is the role of expectations. And this doesn't only apply to long runs, but In my training, it's been most prevalent in long runs, but how does expectations affect how running or training goes? And also with long runs, I want to talk about some tips to make them better because they can be a slog. (laughs) Um, So, first, talking about expectations, I realized this in the past couple weeks. So, if you've listened to some of my older episodes from July August time frame where I'm talking about how I was feeling about 50 mile training. Um I was not feeling great. And I was just kind of like not quite dreading the long runs, but I wasn't excited about them for probably a multitude of reasons, but I think one of the biggest reasons was my expectations did not match what actually happened on the runs and what I mean by that is for some reason I didn't go into my long runs expecting that they would take as long as they did, and taking as long as they did includes both drive time to and from the trail and time to run, mostly time to run, but um, I just remember thinking, this shouldn't take as long as it's taking. Like, Why is it taking me longer? And it's kind of similar to if you've ever run a race and the course is longer than the race distance. This is more, um, I don't know about prevalent, but it's more upsetting (laughs) in longer races like ultras. So like my first 50K was actually 33 miles. And so expecting my run to be 31 miles when my watch hit 31, I was very sad (laughs) and upset because at this point i couldn't see the finish line so i knew this race is not 31 miles but i didn't know how much farther i had to go so the mismatch there caused some feelings of frustration and especially that close to the end of the race it was kind of like i'm so ready to be done so anyway back to present day With my long runs, I realized that I had been expecting them to take less time than they did. And then as, you know, I saw that time get closer on my watch and obviously I'm not as far as I want to be. Or like if I'm doing a loop, I still have X number of miles to go. Then that just kind of started a negative spiral in my head. Like, why am I slower now? Why is this taking so long? This shouldn't be taking so long oh my God, it's going to take this many hours instead of this many hours, that kind of thing. Um, and luckily, I always take extra fuel. So fueling was never an issue. And like, there wasn't a super big mismatch between my expectations and the time it actually took. But there was enough of a mismatch that it I would just let the negative mentality overtake me during the long run. And then Having that as the most recent experience of a long run, going to the next week's long run, i would be like, oh, last week's long run was, it sucked so much. So this week I'm not looking forward to it because it's going to suck again. And I have no idea, to be honest with you, what switched. But I think after my race in um, Steamboat, the 17 miler, and going to my birthday weekend, I just kind of was like, okay, we're going to be doing a long run. Um, It's going to, we're going to be out there for this many hours, roughly. Um, And once I accepted that I was going to be out on trail for that long, it became a lot easier to not dread the run and to get it done. Because I was like, I'm already, I'm already planning to be out here this long. So like, It's going to take as long as it takes. We're just going to do the thing. We're going to cover the miles. We're going to get the vert. And that's going to be that. And most noticeably was last weekend's long run. So I did my longest training run of this cycle, which ended up being 23 miles. And I knew I that it was going to take, you know, it ended up taking, I think, almost six hours, which was a li- well i guess i was planning to run anywhere from 23 to 30 miles so i gave myself some flexibility which was a good thing going into this run um so that's another way to deal with expectations and the mismatch of what actually happens is being a little flexible so that you do have an out if you need it um and i don't like calling it an out cuz like running 23 miles is still a lot even if Maybe I wanted to go 28, for example. Um, but just having that option and like kind of like playing ABC. Okay, anyway, back to the long run. So I was planning to go anywhere from 23 to 30 because we were running loops and four loops was 23 miles. So that's where the minimum distance came from. Um, in my mind, I really wanted to do a marathon distance. So 26.2. But with any of these, I was like, okay, I'm probably going to be out running somewhere from six to seven and a half hours so going into the run i already knew i was like i'm going to be out here regardless of how many miles i go and that's just going to be what it is and for some reason the week leading up to that run even though it's the longest i've run since 2021 um and the longest i've run in this cycle obviously and it's kind of a big jump from my last longest run which was the 17 mile race i wasn't like the week leading up to it i wasn't really anxious about it i wasn't nervous i wasn't dreading it i was just like this is what i'm doing this weekend it's just a thing that i'm doing <laughs> um and then this leads into some tips of making long runs better part of what helped me with this long run is i wasn't doing it alone so, two of my athletes joined me because they are also training for 50Ks, um, technically 150K and 155K, but similar distances. So, they also had long runs and so my first tip, if you can run with people on long runs, it makes it so much better. The tough part about finding people to run with on long runs is finding people who run similar pace to you or are willing to speed up, slow down, whatever adjustments need to be made to achieve your pace. Um, which also goes along with expectations, so just like being clear when you're communicating with people like, I'm planning to run this many miles around this pace or for this amount of time. Is that cool with you? Do you want to join me? Um, and like people don't have to join you for the full distance or you can join someone for part of their long run. So. Part of the reason why I wanted to do loops was that if my two athletes, their runs were supposed to be a little shorter than mine, so I wanted them to have the option to stop before 23 miles. Um, If they were feeling good, they were going to go up to 23, and that's what ended up happening. So we were together the full four loops, but I wanted them to have the option to stop at less loops um, so that they could really how they were feeling and not push themselves too far. So choosing a loop course can be really nice for that reason, because then you can invite people who don't have to run as far as you if you're running really far or vice versa. You don't have to run as far as someone else, but you can still get time with someone else on a long run um, without matching up your distances perfectly. And if you run separate paces, that can be helpful because you can run together for like a couple loops and then you can split up for a couple loops so you can run your the pace you want while you're alone and then you come together and you settle on a pace that works for both of you, that kind of thing. So then another reason why we wanted to do loops is so that we didn't have to carry all of our hydration and fuel. And We could have a lot of different options in the car for an aid station. So this, hands down, made this run so great, honestly. So if you can find loops and use your car as an aid station, I highly recommend it. I don't recommend this for every long run because, oh, I guess it depends on your race. If you have a longer distance between aid stations in your race, then the loop system you've set up, I wouldn't always do a loop system. So for my race, my longest um, time between aid stations is from the start to the first aid station, is almost 14 miles. So that's partially why I have not been running loops for most of my long runs, because I, I'm going to need to carry a lot in those first 14 miles. And I want to know what that will feel like before race day and to practice carrying that much. I haven't carried fully what I'll be carrying, but I've carried, you know, quite a bit on most of my long runs that aren't loops, which is like every other long run. So then on this one, I was able to carry less, but then in the car, I was able to try out a bunch of options for fuel that I wouldn't normally carry on a long run. So this can be really helpful to practice what you might wanna use at aid stations and just practice so that you have other options for what you can use as fuel during a race. So like your crew can have food if that's allowed in the race or if the aid stations had it. So what we had was watermelon, obviously. Um, This one I didn't need to practice with, I already know it works. But I only have watermelon during races because I don't want to carry a watermelon or slices of watermelon in my vest for long runs, you know. So it was perfect to keep in the car. Um, Coca-Cola, which also already knew worked because I had that at my steamboat race. Um, Pop-Tarts, Goldfish, Cheez-Its, Nuts, Dried Mango. Uh, What else do we have? pickles um and then all of like my normal fuel that i use so the spring energy precision nutrition gels and then i had martin gels too um and those were mostly so that i didn't have to carry a full 23 miles of fuel in my vest and i could just restock after every loop um but it was great to be able to, one, have all those options, because for those of you who have run long runs, which I'm sure is a lot of you, sometimes you don't know what you're going to be craving until you're craving it. So that's why we had such a wide variety and so so many options. Uh, we didn't use most of them, to be honest. Myself, I we all had Coke. That was one that we were like, on loops three and four, we were just like, I can't wait to get back to the car to drink some Coke, (laughs) which is amazing. Coke is amazing. Um, I had some Pop-Tarts too, which was actually the first time I've had Pop-Tarts on a run and it worked well. Um, And so I've been trying to figure out why I'm getting side stitches quite frequently this training cycle. And my theory is my... Fueling has been with Spring Energy and Precision Nutrition Gels, and both of those are more on the liquid side than they are the solid side, and it's been hot, and then I also have my water and electrolytes, so I think the combination just has put a lot of liquid in my stomach, so I'm trying to find some more solid food that I can intersperse in between the liquids to prevent like the sloshing of the stomach, the side stitches. So that was also a reason why I wanted to do the loops and test out some different fueling options to know what will work in the race. Um, But yeah, highly recommend. We just went to a trail with a lot of different, or a trail system with a lot of different individual trails. And then the one side of the road, the outer loop happened to be 5.7 miles. So that was perfect because then um, if either of my athletes wanted to stop at like loop three, that would be 17 miles, which is still a really good long run, especially for where they are in their training cycle. Um, But like I said, they ended up feeling great and we all did four loops together. I obviously abandoned the plan to do a marathon partially because it was moving time was at six hours when we finished 23 hours. Um, with the stops at the aid station and all of that, it was probably closer to six and a half hours, I think. So, you know, we had been out there for a long time. And this is always one of the fun puzzles of alter training. It's like, where is the cutoff between what I'm doing is beneficial and what I'm doing is just over the top, you know? Um, so like, running past six hours, is it worth running three more miles to be out there for, you know, close to seven hours? Um, Probably not fully seven hours, but you know what I mean. Is that, are those extra miles worth it or is it more detrimental than beneficial at that point? Um, I also did get a call from my mom in the middle and like, some personal stuff happening. So I kind of knew what she was calling me about and I really wanted to call her back. So that was honestly the biggest reason I didn't want to go farther because I wanted to see what was up. Um, But even if that hadn't happened, I don't think I would have gone farther because I expected to be out there for six hours. I was out there for six hours. 23 miles is a good distance. And I was planning on running the next day, so, um, yeah. So just to summarize all of that, because that was probably a lot. It some tips to make long runs feel less daunting is one: make sure your expectations are matching what's actually happening, so that you're not disappointing yourself and going down a negative spiral. Um, so you know making sure your mindset is in a good place going into it. And this gets easier the more long runs you do. Obviously, your first long run, you might not know how long it'll take, but if you are building up properly, you'll have some data you can look at to be like, okay, on a trail like this, this is roughly the pace I run, so it'll probably take me this long. Um, If you are adding in more vert, make sure to account for that. That'll take you longer to do unless you are really stellar at vert, um, yeah, expectations, manage them. Two, if you can run with people, have people join you for the whole thing, have them join you for part of it, whether it's the beginning or the end, whenever you want people the most, um, try out doing a loop course and using your car as an aid station and, don't always do that because you might need to practice carrying more or like using a bigger vest. But every now and then, this is a great way to make your long runs not only more fun, but less dreadful. Um, and I'm not saying that long runs are dreadful, but you know what I mean. Okay, so next, I wanted to talk about group runs specifically group or social runs and how to fit them in with your training because it can be challenging to do so. So the most important piece of this, if you want to be or if you want to go to group runs or run with friends occasionally during your training, the biggest thing is you need to be honest with yourself. So if you have a group run that you like, you need to be making sure that the pace you end up running or the effort you end up running with that group matches what you should be doing on that day in your training. And I would say this matters most if you are training for a specific goal and you have more of a, I don't know structure's structure is the right word or inflexible, but I guess a more rigid training plan. So, for example... I went to a group run last week and it was not easy for me. Like it didn't feel easy. I felt more wrecked afterwards than I would had I run alone. So something like that, I wouldn't add into my weekly plan on an easy day because that wasn't an easy run for me. So that's what I mean when I say that the effort level or pace that you run with a group should match what you're goal for that day is in your own training and if it doesn't your options are obviously one is don't run with that group (laughs) um but if you like this group i'm sure that's not the option you want the other one is to rework your weekly plan so that whatever usually happens at that group run is the goal of your run for that day so if the run is a little harder than your easy run you might want that group run to replace a workout day. If you are training for a specific goal and you have speed workouts in your plan and this group run, it lands somewhere between your workout effort and an easy run, I might recommend you don't go to that group because you still want to be able to do your speed workouts and then you want... Most of the rest of your runs to be easy. So it can be hard to have runs that land somewhere in the middle consistently. Um and this also depends on, obviously, like the specifics of your life, your training plan, like how many days a week are you running? If you're running more days a week, you have more leeway. If you're running, like, say you're running four days a week, one is a speed workout, and then one is the group run that's not easy anymore and then you have a long run, and then your remaining one's an easy run, that might be somewhere where I'd say, nix the group run while you're in your dedicated training phase. Um, So you really just want to be honest with how does this group run feel? Is it fitting into the training plan I have? Um, If you are in a phase where you're not training for a specific event, this could be a great time to explore group runs, figure out which one works for you, which one doesn't, um, figure out, you know, obviously which one you like the best. That's kind of the most important. Like, do you want to run with these people on a consistent basis? Um, And then not all group runs are weekly, so, you know, like I have the monthly group trail run, which... If there's a monthly group run or, like, every other week, that could be easier to fit in because then it's not disrupting your training plan every week if it's not matching what you're intending to do for that day. But all this to say, be honest with yourself. Be honest if the group run is serving the purpose that you want it to serve. That's kind of the big, big idea at the end of the day. Um... And I think with that, like, don't be afraid to go through phases. There are certain phases where maybe you do more social runs, whether it's group runs or running with friends. And there might be phases where you're like, I need to focus on me, I need to focus on my training. So during this time, I'm I'm going to do less of the social runs so that I can adhere to the goal of my training plan better. So the biggest thing I see with group runs is people getting caught up in what other people are doing even when they have their own training plan. Um, So, yeah, I think if you have a specific goal, then you need to be pickier with running with others, but all that to say, you don't need to get rid of group runs or running with friends. If you are in a dedicated training cycle, you just need to be a little more cognizant of how those group runs fit in and just making sure, you know, you're keeping your easy days easy. And then if you're working on speed, you're keeping your speed workouts in. And if at the end of the day, you can't figure out how to work in group runs with your training plan, then sit down and look at your priorities. What is your priority? Do you want to work towards the goal you have set with the training plan you had? Or do you um value being able to run with a group run or running with friends over your training plan, and if you're working with a coach, talk to them. You know training plans aren't set in stone. there's lots of ways to get to an end result, and they can really help you troubleshoot if this is something that you are dealing with and finding a solution that is a good compromise for both of your goals, whether it's the training plan and running with others. But yeah, there are so many group runs out there and I don't think I've ever discussed it on the podcast. So I wanted to just bring that up in case anyone is dealing with that or will be in the future. So then the last thing I wanted to talk about, it this will probably be quite quick, is around easy runs and specifically, shame around easy runs and the pace that you run easy runs so i feel like a lot of us are caught up in what our pace is on easy runs and expecting that one it's going to be the same pace every single time we go out for an easy run and two that as we progress in our training our easy run pace is going to get faster which i'm not saying that doesn't happen but easy runs are not a singular pace they are a range of paces easy is an effort it's not a specific target so on any given day easy is going to feel different and this is why i train my athletes with rate of perceived exertion because i want them to focus on does this feel easy not am i hitting this certain pace that in my mind i think is my easy pace because your how a run feels is going to be affected by your sleep, your nutrition, your stress outside of training, your training fatigue accumulation, the weather, the environment you're in, your mood, so many other things that it is a fool's errand to just chase one specific pace on easy runs. And I feel like a lot of us feel shame if we run our easy runs slower than 10 minute pace. For whatever reason, 10 minutes seems to be the cutoff between fast and slow. So if you're running your easy runs slower than that, you're slow. If you're running your easy runs faster than that, you're fast. And this isn't me saying this, this is something that I have somehow internalized and I've seen um, from other people, not like, people don't explicitly say it, but it's just a vibe that I get. So there there's nothing wrong with running slower than 10 minute pace. And I think one thing that a lot of us don't realize is if you're in a big training block, as the weeks go on, you tend to get more fatigued because your training is accumulating. And even with down weeks where you have less volume, you're still you know, training a lot and that can make your easy paces slow down because you are just more tired in general and that's totally okay. It's totally okay. I've seen it with myself, this training cycle. Um, If you follow me on Strava, like I've been putting up the biggest weeks I've put up since like college, I think. in like outside of peak weeks, although now I'm in my peak weeks, but anyway. So it's understandable that I have more fatigue than usual. So then when I go out for an easy run where I'm not trying to push myself, like I might be a little slower than usual. And I think accepting that is one of the greatest things we all can do because then it allows you to truly keep your easy runs easy, which is what we want at the end of the day. We don't care about the paces. We don't care. Yeah, we don't care about the paces. Um and if you find yourself caring about the paces, I want you to reflect on why am I focusing so much on what pace I'm running? Is it coming from because I'm uploading it to Strava and people are seeing it? Is it coming from I'm following people who are running faster than me and it makes me feel bad about myself? Is it coming from I used to run cross country in college and my easy pace used to be this and now it's this and i feel bad about myself like what is the actual root of this shame and then depending on that you can try to minimize it so i've actually stopped making my um activities on strava public to my followers only certain ones i'll make not private So, the bulk of my training, you actually can't see anymore. (laughs) Um, I have muted a lot of people on Strava or just unfollowed, straight up unfollowed, depending on who it is. If, like, I noticed seeing their trainings making me feel bad about my training, even though, like, my training is going great. Things are going well. Um, And same for Instagram, you know, unfollow, mute, do what you have to do. Um, if you're the hardest one I think is when you're comparing yourself to an older version and by older version, I mean younger version of yourself, um, a previous version of yourself. That one I haven't quite figured it out, but therapy can help with that. <laughs> I think that might be one of the uh, solutions there. but yeah, I think a lot of us, run our easy paces, slower than 10 minutes per mile, and there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever pace you need to run for your easy miles is great. And just along with group runs, be honest with yourself with where you are. And if you can be honest with yourself, then that's really the best way you can progress in running because then you can truly tune into your body, listen to your body, and run your easy runs easy, run your hard runs hard, When you run your easy runs too fast, you probably aren't doing your speed workouts hard enough because you're generating more fatigue from your easy runs. And the purpose of easy runs is not to make you fatigued, you know, because they're supposed to be easy enough that they are not fatiguing or as fatiguing as your hard runs and your workouts. Um, So, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Hopefully... Some of that was helpful or resonated with you. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, you can always email me at, at coachingclutz.com or DM me on Instagram at coachingclutz. And yeah, that will be it for today. I'm not sure what next week's episode will be yet, but shortly I'll be talking to Elisa again. She's coming back on. We're going to have a really interesting chat about who is an athlete so make sure you tune in for that make sure you're subscribed if you like the podcast please give us a rating and review i don't know why i said us it's just me (laughs) solo host on this one um but yeah rate review subscribe and i will talk to y'all later That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time.